0: Welcome to Between the Lines, I'm Shanann Bessie and I'm here with Sarah M. Eden, Tracy Hunter-Abramson and Esther Hatch. One of the best compliments authors who write fictional stories can receive is when a reader tells them that the characters in their books seem like real people. If we can bring those characters to life then our stories seem to come to life too, but Unknown to most readers, sometimes those lifelike characters have a tendency to make their voices heard in the most unexpected ways. And authors sometimes call this a character coup, and they turn our fictional worlds upside down. So this may come as a huge surprise to you, but one author I know who deals with character coups on a regular basis is Tracy. So I'm going to throw Tracy under the bus and say, (laughs) Tracy, can you tell us what a character coup looks like? I would like to know what a
1: character coup doesn't look like, (laughs) (laughs) because it happens all the time. But basically, it's when, you know, I give my character a name. And then they just tell me what's going to happen in the story. Like, I have no control over it. They just all think they're going one direction, and they just decide that's not going to be what they're going to do to the point that they'll wake me up in the middle of the night and tell me that, no, you need to do this. And, and they just literally take the path away from me. So if anyone who thinks that, like, you know, you tell an author, well, I really wish you'd done something different, you need to talk to the characters, not just the author. Like, it's just... You have to talk to them first.
0: It's true. And when Tracy sometimes texts me during the day when we're both working on writing, she will use expressions that people who aren't writers would just kind of think that we're both slightly bonkers. She'll say things like, are your characters playing nice today? (laughs) Or, Or are they talking to you this morning? Anyway, it really does make us sound a little bit loopy. But do you think that... You deal with more character coups because you're a self-proclaimed discovery writer. And in other words, you discover the story as you write. I definitely think that's one of the biggest reasons, because I don't know who my
1: characters are when I start. And often it's not until the book ends and I'm going through that second draft that I really, truly know them. And so... Literally, I'm being surprised by what's coming out of my fingertips onto my computer. I just don't expect what's going to happen. And I'm like, I'm laughing out loud at things I'm I'm writing because I didn't expect it. So, But I definitely think it happens more for somebody who has not plotted things out. But yeah. I
0: could be wrong because I've never been a plotter. <laughs> well, let's ask the others. What about you, Sarah and Esther? I know... Well, Sarah in particular plots out her stories more than Tracy does, and Esther probably plots more than Tracy because no one plots less than Tracy. (laughs) 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 So have you experienced character
2: coos? So um, I do plot less than Sarah, and hearing uh, Tracy talk about just flowing from her fingers, (laughs) yes, probably a little bit more than Tracy, (laughs) but... um, I kind of gave up on excessive plotting for this exact reason. A lot of times my plot ideas that I thought were so clever and so fun just didn't really work once I put the characters into them. And um, so one of my more frustrating moments, I would say, is with my most recent release of Proper Scoundrel, is Lord Bryant, I really wanted him to have a very strong kissing book I should say and (laughs) the funny thing about him is once his relationship with Diana became at all serious then he was not that scoundrel and so like he became much too proper and I was very (laughs) frustrated that I couldn't get all those kissing scenes in the book that I would have loved to but yeah I mean but that's that is who he was and I had to write the book that way Sounds okay. like we need
0: to have a kissing scenes episode coming up soon. Yeah, no <laughs> i i would put I would put Esther and her kissing scenes in the same crazy category as you and your character coups. Okay, <laughs> we're together again, all Esther.
1: Right.
3: <laughs> well, I'll say probably the closest I've come to a true character coup occurred uh, with a book where I had done all of my pre writing work, all my character work. I'd i have i I've, answer question upon question upon question about my characters and what their history is and what their likes and dislikes and their goals. I mean, it's so much guys, it's excessive. And then I will fill out a plot diagram where I start plotting. And in this particular book, the characters, once they were fleshed out like that, were ready to go. Like they were just, they were right there. They were screaming in my head. Another thing authors say that make us sound bonkers, but they were just, they were rearing to go. It's the only book I have not plotted And so it's funny that, like, you've sort of, Esther has kind of abandoned heavy plotting, and Tracy never believed in it to begin with. Um, And it causes character coups, but I had a character coup that prevented plotting, and I was far more upset about the lack of plot-structured worksheets than I was about the character coup. In the end, it ended up being a great book, but it's the only one that has turned out that way
0: because they just took over. It probably put you completely out of your comfort zone to write that way. Completely. Yeah.
3: Oh well. <laughs> but yeah. It turned out but so it turned out. I've not ever gone back and I don't want it to happen again, but it worked <laughs> out that one time.
0: Well, I know that I had a bad guy in one of my books and his past misdeeds had been kind of along the lines of trickery and theft and suddenly he wanted to do something much more violent and I actually remember texting Tracy about it and because I was genuinely concerned about putting something that violent in, you know, a sweet Georgian romance. And her response was, ooh, I want to read this one. And I thought, oh, I asked the wrong person. <laughs> but, um, but it's fun to know that we've all kind of experienced this. And, and I really do think that it happens as our characters come to life. So when it happens... I guess there's a fine line between you've had this original storyline that you kind of think this is the way your story's going to go, and suddenly your characters are veering out in the left field. How do you know which path to take? How do you know which one to go with? Original storyline. Wait, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> you mean plots. I've
1: got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> there is no original plot line uh, to veer from.
0: Uh, yeah, well, why did I even ask the question?
1: <laughs> Somebody else might have an idea.
0: Okay, Esther. <laughs> well,
2: I think I think if you twist a character to fit a plot, that almost never is going to work. I think it, it's very it's very much easier to do the opposite and twist your plot to to go with your character. I will say the only time so usually I give up with it right away. If I realize like I, in my outline, sparse as it is, one page as it is, I had planned my characters to do A, and I know that their character would never do that. They don't do it. Um, I will say the one time that I do kind of mold my characters a little bit, and I've noticed this trend is sometimes getting to the end of a novel. You have to either get everybody in the same place or you have to, you know, like I have had a few where I feel like I did have to push them a little, shove them a little <laughs> bit so that they all ended up at the same place with the right frame of line, mind for the ending to happen. And so I think that is the one time that's the hardest for me to, because I think with a romance, especially a lot of times it's like, well, in real life, if you're just in love with someone, you're just in love with them. And then everything's lovely from then on out. But in a novel, you usually have to have some sort of a climax. And so <laughs> I do feel like I have to push them a little bit for, a, for an exciting ending.
0: Yeah. I, th-
3: I think for me, it's actually really kind of similar. I've found that um, when my plot veers from what I had originally thought it would be, and it's not usually by a ton, but it does happen, you know, little bits and pieces here and there. It's almost always because it, I realize it's not something the characters would do. Like Esther was saying, it's if you try to. Um, make your characters do something out of character or something they wouldn't do in order to fit a plot point, it always feels forced. So I tend to go back to my pre-writing work and look through my character sheets and figure out what it is about that plot point that doesn't actually fit. Where did I get it wrong? And usually in there, I also find the solution because I realize, no, 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 they would do this instead. And so it helps me keep guiding it in the right direction. So it's almost always an issue of trying to get characters to do something that they wouldn't actually do.
0: Yeah, I agree. And and I feel like, and maybe we should title this the crazy episode, because this is also <laughs> going to sound crazy. But I I kind of think that the characters in your head stop talking if, if you're leading them a way that they don't want to go. The flow of words disappears. And that's when you know you've taken a wrong turn. Um, and like you said, Sarah, maybe you're having characters do something that's out of character and not who they are um so i guess the bottom line is our characters kind of become (laughs) (laughs) all-powerful like the all-powerful genies um so rather than having them not talk to you have you ever had an experience where the characters wouldn't stop talking Okay. <laughs> All the
1: time. Like, seriously, there are 24 hours in the day and the only four o'clock that I should be awake during is in the afternoon. Like, there's nothing worse than four o'clock in the morning and you wake up and you're like, seriously, now's when I'm going to get this inspiration of what these characters want to do. And of course, if I go back to sleep, I'm going to lose it. So I have to get up and I ha- do keep a notebook or my Alpha Smart next to my bed and I will type it up and then I can go back to sleep. Maybe. But they're, they're constantly, they won't shut up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I remember going to a class that Sarah taught at a writer's conference. It, this is several years ago. And in it, I remember her saying that one of the best ways to have our readers connect with a character was to put them through something really hard and then make it even harder. And um, And I remember I was working on a manuscript at the time, and my characters must have been listening to Sarah's presentation <laughs> because... I, when I thought I should be wrapping up this manuscript just another scene would materialize and then another and I finally texted Sarah and I said okay my characters think this is a really great idea but am I ever going to be able to finish this book <laughs> because they just wouldn't stop
3: <laughs> apparently my writing philosophy is be really mean to your characters <laughs> um, I think the closest I've gotten to like characters that won't stop talking it tends to happen with Side characters who what, who get into my head and won't stop nagging at me to write their story. Mm-hmm. And so it's not even necessarily the story I'm working on then, but it's, hey, I should get a story too. Hey, here's who I am. Here's what I want. And it's trying to keep them quiet long enough to finish what I'm working on while promising them I will eventually <laughs> write a story for you if you'll just be quiet for five minutes.
0: Oh, I love <laughs> so that. So
3: that's where mine tend to come. It's characters who want me to move to the next project, and I'm not done with the one I'm on right now
1: that's too funny
2: i will say like this is probably literally my favorite thing about writing is um when they do come to you and they um won't leave your mind because i think that's when you are close enough to them and you have these dialogue scenes that come out of nowhere and you're like yes that's exactly what they would say and um for me some of my best dialogue conversations between characters just come to me when I'm not writing when I'm washing the dishes which doesn't happen as often as it should (laughs) or showering or just somewhere where I'm not supposed where I'm like stuck doing something where my mind can wander and it I really feel like some of my very, very best writing has come in those moments. So even though it's sometimes four in the morning, <laughs> I'm grateful for it. I, I really am because I think that is where my characters are most true to themselves and, and really
0: make some fun scenes. I love that. And that really is the magic. So have you ever had a favorite character who surprised you by being or becoming or doing something different than you planned for them?
2: Well, I have to go back to some of my earlier books when I plotted a little bit more. And <laughs> um, in a proper scandal, Grace had to trap a man, like, into marrying her within two weeks. And <laughs> the funny thing about Grace was well, she was just a really sweet person. And so I had the hardest, hardest time getting her to the mindset where she agreed to this plot. Even though, like, it was... Um, From the beginning, that was what the story was going to be, but I had multiple chapters of her finding, trying to find a way out of this, and I had never planned for that, and it was, what if I go work here? What if I do this? And... um, I still kind of get messages sometimes of like, I feel like she should have been able to try and find something else. And I'm like, she tried. She really tried everything else she could think of to not have to trap this man into marrying her. And so um, that was kind of a big one for me. And I kept getting frustrated because I thought the plot was so fun. I just really wanted to write a plot where this young lady had to marry someone in two weeks, but she just really didn't want to. (laughs)
0: I think, I guess this might be a slight spoiler alert, but I think one of the ones for me was in Heirs of Falcon Point, um, I have, I write the characters of two siblings, and the one who has the most role um, is Tess, but a secondary character is her brother, Lars, and this kind of goes back to what Sarah said where the secondary character is saying what about me what about me and so in the sequel that Tracy and I have written Lars is one of the main characters and it was so much fun to discover his personality and to have his voice just come out.
3: Um, I think probably the character that surprised me the most was um, my character Stanley from my book For Love or Honor um, I was having such a hard time even getting started on that book because I could just tell I was missing some big chunk of who he was. I just I couldn't fill in the blanks. I could tell I didn't have it right. And if I tried to start, it was just going to veer off the tracks. And so finally one day I sat down with him and we had an interview. Again, guys, the things authors say <laughs> don't make any sense. And I started asking him a whole bunch of questions and nothing was that surprising. Most of it was he wasn't hardly even talking to me. And then I asked him, what is it you're actually afraid of? And that answer changed everything I understood about that character. And suddenly I knew him, and he was there, and he was present. And I was like, here we go. And the story just went from there. So he surprised me because he answered a question in a way I wasn't expecting, but it was so perfect. So that, that was my biggest
1: moment of that. That's awesome. So as I've said, I really don't plot, so it's kind of hard for me to know when they went off track. But one of the challenges I have writing suspense is often I'll get to about page 200 before I know who my bad guys are. And so I had done this like raffle thing where somebody got to choose to put their name in one of my books and they decided they wanted to be the creepy bad guy. So I'd narrowed it down to two people. And so I had these little codes in my manuscript that I'm using for these two characters trying to figure out who's, gonna, who's who. And I get to about page 220 and I'm like, aha, I know who it is. This is great. And I put all of the names in and twelve pages later, on page two hundred and thirty-two, I discovered I had the wrong bad guy and had to go change all of the names of those two characters. <laughs> so it was. So that I think that was the one that surprised me the most because I was. I wait until I think I know what's really happening, and then the story still took a twist I didn't expect.
0: <laughs> oh, that's so funny! I love that. Thank you so much for sharing your insights and examples. It's kind of crazy to think that some of our favorite books would have turned out completely differently if the characters in the story hadn't staged a coup. (laughs) So thank you for listening in today. We hope that you'll join us again on Between the Lines.